Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, pre-owned inventory. Great service department and sales staff to get you set for the inspections, the big stuff, the little stuff. They'll get you covered. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Nate Bauer today from On3 Sports on Penn State football coming up tomorrow for a monster football Friday. Merrill Reese, 335. Jerry Dulac, 406. And then we're going to pick Super Wild Card Weekend with the King at 435. Very much looking forward to tomorrow. Well, back to today as far as Penn State football goes. Lots more to get into today with Nate. And first thing, of course, broke towards the end of the show yesterday. Uh, Noah Kane heading to the transfer portal. Not a surprise considering where things are in the Penn State running back room nowadays. But it's a shame it didn't work out. I mean, this was a guy that still, I believe, led Penn State in rushing touchdowns this year with four. And a guy that I I really liked playing, and I thought was was a was a good what was supposed to be and could have been an uh, integral part of the Penn State running game, but unfortunately injuries got in the way, other things of course, and just the being just a numbers game with the roster at this point, and he's kind of the odd man out right now as we started talking about a little bit yesterday, so it wasn't surprising, but still it's a shame it didn't work out for Noah Kane. Um, from what Steve has said, obviously, Noah's a good kid and works hard and have been there for Penn State and obviously in his in his first uh, few seasons. But he's at the transfer portal. And speaking of Penn State running backs, Nick Singleton, of course, the big product from Governor Mifflin coming in, named today as one of three finalists for the Maxwell Football Club Offensive Player of the Year Award. And that obviously is no surprise as well. So we'll get into all that and more, maybe a little bit on the recruiting ends with with Nate Bauer coming up. I thought Tyler Donahue yesterday had a couple of interesting comments yesterday, and I think he's right on about the transfer portal. You already got the kid from West from uh, Western Kentucky at receiver, which is a great pickup for Penn State. But I agree, got to attack the trenches. Maybe you bring the kid in from uh, Cornell. Can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, maybe maybe there's other prospects out there that, that Penn State can attack the offensive line especially and, and beef that up. 
but I, I agree. I think that's a huge period coming up for Penn State as far as the transfer portal goes. And then in the NFL, of course, mentioned we'll, we'll probably get into this maybe a little bit with Jerry Dulac tomorrow, but Juju Smith-Schuster is back in practice on a designated to return from IR, so the Steelers have 21 days to add him uh, to the active roster. And he had mentioned when he was first hurt that if he could come back, it would be AFC Championship or the Super Bowl. So still really, still really highly unlikely that the Steelers have him play on Sunday against Kansas City, but it's at least good to see him back out there for the Steelers should they advance. And now this just in from Tom Pelissero, NFL Network. The Texans have fired coach David Culley. I can't say I'm shocked, but I thought they would give it another year, considering so little resources that the Texans have. And the Texans had some good wins this year, some upset wins, so that's that's slightly surprising to me. But it's never good to me to move on to a coach after after one season unless there's something egregious to it, and I didn't see any of that really from David Coley. There's so mu- there's so much more issues than David Coley right now with the Texans. But I think we all knew that anyway. And this also too in from uh, Jeff Passan at ESPN. MLB Players Association were finally back at it today with negotiations. Didn't sound like there would be a whole lot of progress. And that's exactly what is the case. No deal. MLB made a proposal. Reaction among the players was not positive. Few on either side expected it to be. The question is how soon the MLBPA counters spring training starting on time is in peril, according to Jeff Passan. So, yeah, I would agree. That's basically how we saw this come. We'll really see how this goes, and we've said this before, when you get closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting. So, again, wake me up like two, three weeks from now, and then we'll really start talking about this. But that was certainly no surprise. I mean, both sides have made no effort to even meet until they had this presumably, probably quick meeting. And there you go. Still not even close, as we kind of figured it would. So, there you go. Those are the latest headlines that uh, we're we're looking at uh, right you're now. You're just complaining. I kind of, you're just complaining again. It's like, yeah, everything's a whine with you. It's not really a complaint. It's just whatever at this point when it comes to Major League Baseball. Well, this is what Major League Baseball has. This is their problem. They've got an Antonio Brown problem in a, in a loose way. <laughs> That's no, an no, interesting no. way of putting it. I, I like that. Uh, okay. Here's here's where it is. Except for the media's desire to cover it, does anybody care about Antonio Brown? No. Fair point. Okay. That's what Major League Baseball needs to avoid. They need to avoid a point where like, ah, they're not gonna they're not gonna play. I don't care. Right. And that's what happened with Antonio Brown. The fans don't care. Like, yeah, he does this junk all the time. So what? You know? I don't, you know, could care less. 
he thinks the world cares, the media thinks the world cares, but the reality is I hear nobody talking about it except to like roll their eyes and say, yeah, typical him. Well, that's the same thing when it comes to what Major League Baseball needs to avoid. They need to avoid somebody looking around saying, you know what, so what? And that's the problem. Uh, Simple as that. That's what you're trying to avoid. And I'm not so sure they're smart enough to know that. I think they are so much into their own world that they don't get that they are in a little shaky area here. So let's get to your team. Okay. Otherwise known, otherwise known in this broadcast as them. <laughs> okay. If I'm the Eagles, I run the ball. Yes, ball control. I, oh no, 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 no! You are not listening to me. Okay. I run the ball and I go up tempo. Okay. Don't fall into the trap. Don't fall into the trap. Oh, we've got to keep the ball away from Brady. We'll eat clock. We'll do a no, 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 no. Okay? Let's take a close look at this. Number one, Tampa Bay is third in the NFL against the run. Okay? So they're good against it. Especially because they have Indomitian Sue and Vita Vea. Right? But this is my thought process. Dominican Sue's not a kid. JPP's not a kid. Shaq Barrett's not a kid. It's going to rain on Sunday, by the way. But, you know, as you know, I was just down there. I can tell you right now, that field, I've done, what, three games in that stadium? That field drains like a litter box. That won't affect the game. Maybe a wind will affect the game. But the rain won't. And there are wind gusts in the forecast, too. I mean, I'd run the ball, and I'd do it up-tempo. No, I, I like to, the plan a lot. I agree. I, I, I'd run these people out of gas if I could. And the Eagles have done that, and, and Nick Sirianni's gone to that a lot when he notices that the offense needs to get a jump start. He's even done that on opening drive, so I think I would not be shocked at all if that's if that's the way they go. I think that's what they should do. All right. I mean, they don't have much of a chance to begin with. Give it a shot. Because they really don't. I mean, they don't have much of a chance. So, do something that gives you a chance. Don't fall into the trap of, we got to keep the ball away from Brady. If Brady's going to get the ball at some point anyway, okay? I'd say make it as difficult as possible for the defense and play, play from in front. Make him chase you. I mean, seriously, that's, I mean, I'd go up-tempo and I'd run the ball. i use my quarterback to run. Sanders sounds like he's going to play. I'd use him to run. Yeah, he doesn't have anything on that hand I, from what I saw at practice right. today. Right. Jordan Howard's available, so you can so you can keep switching guys in, and you can stay up-tempo with your running game. And play and, and do what you can to play from in front. Now you got a real chance to win the game. They fall behind, can't win. Agreed. 
Yeah, I, I think whoever scores first has a significant advantage of the game. No. I mean, that's what I do. Yeah, totally agree. I like it. Yeah. So I think they should do. And, and the, to his credit, as time has gone, he's uh, Nick Sirianni's credit has done a great job of adapting. He wasn't running the ball early. I think I think early in the season, Nick Sirianni was just calling plays to call plays. Because you can do that. Like, you're just calling plays. And you don't realize that, like, you're not running the ball. And then you go back later and go, we only had three runs in the first one. Really? Uh-oh. To his credit, he looked at it and said, um, you know what? Let's try this out. Let's see. Maybe we can run the football. And they did. And changed everything around. And I give him a lot of credit for changing his thought process and not being stubborn with what he was doing. The same kind of adaptability that the Chief Dave Ritchie has had had over the years on Friday nights and basketball season. Dave's had to be adaptable. You, sir, are my hero! Oh, I think that's your best shot to win. Now you're going to have to play defense. Yeah, that that's really my most of concern is if if Gannon thinks he's going to sit, I don't think he will because I think he should have learned. I think he has been learning overall, but especially from Brady, if you sit back and just let him pick you apart, you're done. They got to be more aggressive and jam guys at the line of scrimmage. This is what you have to watch out for with Brady. It's the playoffs. In the playoffs, a lot of times, a couple of things emerge for them. Number one, Brady in the playoffs will throw the ball more to the running backs. Uh, you've noticed that over the years with James White, Rex Burkhead, people like that, right? He'll throw the ball more to the running backs in the postseason. So watch for Fournette. They won't have Ronald Jones. He's out. But watch for Fournette in the passing game. Number two, not only has Gronk played well this year, but Cameron Brape has played really well uh, as the season has gone on as the other tight end. Brady will use his tight ends a lot in the postseason. Always has. David Culley, by the way, has been fired as the head coach of the um, – Houston Texans. To quote Dick Girardi, David Culley, gone. So I'm glad you're accepting of my suggestions for your team. I'm making suggestions I think that help. Yeah, spot on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really given this game a lot of thought. I've only uh, I've only thought about it only because I've been c- contractually forced to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not going to watch the game. Correct. Yes, you will be a little busy. Yes. I, I mean, I'm not going to. Yeah. I'd say the odds of me seeing a second of it are long. 
especially when we're especially after the game when we're playing something called beat the clock. Correct. Because <laughs> it looks like the snow here is going to start at seven o'clock on uh, Sunday night. I would like to be back before that. <laughs> yeah, I'll be tight. It could be a little tight. Uh, I might get back by five. Yeah, it works out. So I'm not going to see any of that game. So I'll have to, you know, whatever you whine, moan, and complain about on Monday, I'll just have to accept. <laughs> because I mean, by the time we get to Monday, you might want all of them fired. Um, this is like if anybody, it, it would be Gannon, and that's about it. There's certain times of the year where it's really fun for you. You love when people get fired. <laughs> You're really into it. Like, this has been like, I mean, this has been glory week for you. Black oh, Monday is always judged. interesting to me. They got judged. They got Cully. They got, oh, I should have fired Nagy months ago. <laughs> well, actually, David Coley, I don't get, but there's many more issues with the Texans than the head coach. That one I didn't get. I didn't really get, I, 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 I was, some, I was semi I was semi surprised about that. I still don't know if he's that great a coach, but I think they're a little hasty. I, I, I can't tell you if David Culley can or can't coach. They actually won more games than I thought they would. Brian Flores, I mean, these are from 30,000 feet. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know Texans football, uh, especially with Bill not there. My interest in what they did on a week by week basis just absolutely fell through the floor when, when Bill left because uh, I was following them closely when Bill was there. Now, no. Um, so I don't know what kind of job he did and didn't do. I do know he didn't have Deshaun Watson the entire season. Um, and from 30,000 feet, it looked to me like Brian Flores was doing a good job. I don't know. Do not know. All right. Anything else you need to complain about before we move on? I just want to make sure that, you know, I, I think it's always important that you get things off your chest early. It makes for a better show. No. You're, you're calmer. You're calmer. <laughs> the, the only, I mean, I also have a conflict myself with the Eagles game, and I was, I didn't want the game to be at 1 or 440 on Sunday. It could have been any other time, and it's 1 o'clock. That was, but I've had that complaint for a while now, so. Because because the Buck because Bucknell women I have them at four, so I can watch the right. first half at home, but then the second half is where it gets a little dicey. I can watch on my phone while I'm getting ready for oh, the game. Oh, you'll be out. You'll be out of it by then. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's going to be that way, then at least it'll be good timing on my part. How about that? But if it, it's a I'm close game, then it's going to be then we're going to have some issues. I'm just trying to give you a positive outlook going in. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. But we'll see. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. We got Joe Putnam on Lady Line basketball, Nate uh, Bauer on Penn State football coming up today. Tomorrow we got Merrill Reese, Jerry Dulac, the King. Got a lot going on. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots, eleven and fifteen, Humble's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com and News Radio ten seventy WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. They need to do what New Orleans does. Tom Brady. Right? Right. Oh, oh wait a minute. You don't have New Orleans's personnel. 
Scrap that. All right. Uh, okay. That was a good idea at the moment. <laughs> but the Eagles are still in Brady's head. That's all I have to say. What? What does that mean? Because he's always asked about the questions. I'm being a little facetious when I say this. He's al- he's always asked about the the Eagle the Super Super Bowl Fifty Two. I'm dropping the pass and getting stripped on the final drive by Brandon Graham, and he he still he still he still says he has uh, nightmares or whatever from it, or he still cringes every time he sees the Eagles or something like that. He said that earlier this week. So I was just he being lied. funny. He lost twice to the Giants in the Super Bowl. They went into the Meadowlands and crushed him this year. I don't really think he's like, there isn't a lot in his head. Uh, okay. You're right, yeah. I was just, <laughs> just being facetious. Yeah. Okay. So the Lady Lion basketball team, they're back playing again. They had a pause. And... I think uh, today's the anniversary. I think of Larry Zonka winning the MVP in the Super Bowl. And, of course, he's a Syracuse guy, as is Joe Putnam. I don't know if Zonka and Floyd Little played in the same backfield or not. Joe, hi, how are you? All right. Uh, Lady Lion basketball. Uh, they, yep. they had to go through a pause. So how did Carolyn Keeger handle the pause? Well, I mean, In terms of the, the return from the pause. Oh, absolutely. It, it was a 19-day layoff, but... Uh, you know, Coach Keeger was uh, fairly uh, straightforward. Uh, it, it, you know, as we're learning about with uh, this this latest bout, this latest round, uh, this latest variant, it, it spreads quickly, and unfortunately, there was quite a bit of spread. So, uh, it really, it was a, it was a somewhat tight turnaround. To and not only that, a tight turnaround from actually being able to resume working out, practicing, and then back to play, but also launching into it against a top ten team in Maryland on the road mm-hmm. at the Terrapins. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that Penn State offensively actually played a tremendous game. Still missing Allie Brigham for that game uh, due to illness, but uh, hopefully Allie will be back uh, tonight. But it certainly doesn't get any uh, easier uh, with Michigan now, uh, ranked 11th in the country in the AP poll, 10th in the coaches poll coming in. Uh, but getting back in action at the Bryce Jordan Center will be a big lift. I mean, all the players, uh, Coach Keeger and, and all the coaches we spoke with, said that you know the the crowd at the BJC was a big reason why they were able to upend Rutgers uh, to notch their first conference win of the year in early December, and hopefully the same sort of momentum carries through now into the 2022 portion of the schedule. All right, so so here's the concern going into tonight. You know, they had a sh- not many practices before they played Maryland, correct? Yeah. Uh, and of course they've had a little bit of a maybe a couple days so this may help out i'm always worried about legs the second game when you don't have a lot of practices for the first game i mean and that's only from seeing the experience that other people have gone through i watched baylor do it last year i watched penn state do it last year uh is there concern about legs well i mean i I think there is definitely a lot of uh monitoring of uh how effective uh the players are acclimating to uh, getting back into action. Uh, McKenna Marisa, I mean, you, <laughs> I swear you'd hardly notice that she's uh, batted an eyelash out there. She'll she'll most likely still be able to play 35 to 40 minutes if needed. I mean, she she logged all uh, but 38 seconds against Duquesne for the 
career high in points. She scored just before the uh, holiday break and then the unintended uh, COVID layoff. But uh, she definitely she had a great game, had a great second half against Maryland. And I think what Carolyn Teeger was wise to do and did effectively is she did rest players. In the second half of the game against Maryland, Uh, Kayla Thomas, who who has a lot of promise in the middle, uh, was able to get big minutes, the biggest minute she's been able to get so far in her Penn State career. Uh, Logged 15 minutes out there, spelling Anna Camden and and the rest of the team in the middle. Uh, And you have Allie Brigham now returning to action, so this will be her first game back, hopefully, uh, at at full strength. And uh, so that should help as well. But the other thing that helps is that Maryland is definitely a team they will try to run you right off the floor. They'll press all over the place, very active. They have a short rotation, but they, they just go at it full bore for 40 minutes. Michigan is not quite that sort of a team. They are more of a traditional half-court team. They have a great, great player, one of the best in the Big Ten and the country, an All-American last year in Nas Hillman, uh, who's who's tremendous as an interior player, uh, can hit the mid-range as well. Uh but, you know, Amy Dilk, uh, who had been Michigan's point guard for three years, had a knee injury the first minute of the season. She's been out. She's now just getting back into action. This will be just her third game back. We anticipate that she's going to be back in the starting lineup, but uh, she's only played 18 to 20 minutes her first two games back, so probably it'll be ramped up for her. Uh, so for, you know, Penn State having Michigan as an opponent – as opposed to Maryland, even though they are both extremely talented mm-hmm. teams, might be a little better uh, on, on easing the burden on those. Right, guys. no question. All right, so now uh, Coach Keeks wants to play with some pace. Can she do that with this team on a consistent basis? Because obviously it's based on personnel. Uh, definitely, and, and you know what, that that's definitely the aim, but Keeks is also, uh, you know, she knows what personnel she has, and right. she has done a lot of things this year to sort of acclimate what uh, Penn State's offensive and defensive attack is like. It, it may, she would love to play with pace. That is her preferred style of play. But we've seen Penn State successfully transition. They played a lot more zone defense this year, which has been effective. Uh, and definitely, they lo- they love to get out on the break. And there's been several. Uh, two-on-one, three-on-one, three-on-two opportunities that Penn State's been able to get out on. But it starts at the defensive end. And, you know, as with most zone defenses, the aim of that is to kind of slow the game down or it slows the offense down because they can't often pass through it, so they have to work around, try to find the best shot. So it kind of shaves time off the clock, doesn't allow for a lot of possessions like a uh, real – uh, up-tempo game would, but it, it's what works for this particular Lady Lions squad, and, and over the course of the season, I think we're seeing this squad also start to develop more skills and, and grow into that team uh, that Carolyn Keeger is uh, looking for them to be. I mean, uh, third year at the helm, and, and of course, Keegs had big jumps, uh, big jump in year yep. three at Marquette, yes. and hopefully uh, and there's still a lot of time for Penn State to also have that big jump here in, in year three with the Lady Lions. Uh, they still have plenty of time to do that along the way. Crowds have been bigger. What kind of influence have they had? Uh, it's a tremendous influence. And, and I'll, I'll give a lot of credit here as well to the Legion of Blue. The student section has been outstanding. Of course, we uh, have seen you know their presence at the men's games has been has really raised the, the level of that atmosphere so much, particularly these last couple of seasons uh, that they've been able to be in the arena. And it's the same now for the women's game. I think we're seeing the uh, the Legion of Blue grow. Uh, it's a commitment on the part of the students 
to their fellow student athletes out on the floor. And it, it really is raising the, not only the noise level, but just the enthusiasm uh, that, that fans have. I, and like I said before, after the Rutgers game, the first conference win of the year, players, coaches up and down the line all sung the praises of the crowd of the Bryce Jordan Center really carrying them through in what yeah. was a, a very close game against an always tough Scarlet Knight squad. Yep. Uh, Penn State fed off the crowd. It carried them through. And you know now with the, the number 11 team in the country coming in tonight with a nationwide audience on Big Ten Network, hopefully that same enthusiasm uh, will carry over, even, even despite uh, it being – uh, over three weeks since the last home game the Lady Lions played. It's a great opportunity for them tonight, Joe, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you, Penn State is looking to make the NCAA tournament. Yes. They're looking to make that jump. And to do that, you need to have big wins. And this is a great opportunity with a big team, big-time team coming into the Jordan Center to notch that quadrant one victory that the committee's going to look at when they're evaluating at-large bids come March. Joe, always a pleasure. Should be a really good one tonight for you and Justin to call. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it, Steve. And uh, there'll be many, many more opportunities, of course, at the Jordan Center. I had a couple of rescheduled games, yes. including uh, Iowa now visiting here on the 25th. So hopefully uh, fans will come on out for that one as well. Ohio State back on the schedule. But uh, we're going to play out the full Big Ten schedule, and hopefully uh, the BJC is full uh, to go with it here as the season progresses. Exactly. So check your local listings. And plus, we'll give you all the uh, the rescheduled games along the way because uh, it's it's important to get people out and, and have a good time with it, and the crowds have been great. Joe, thank you so much, my good friend. Steve, thank you, sir. We'll see you soon. All right. Uh, Bucknell women. Uh, what? Limited crowd right now, right? Is that what Bucknell's doing? Limiting crowds? Correct, yeah, for all athletic events going forward. And you have to have, for those that are getting in, you have to have a proof of vaccination and, and or a uh, negative test two days before the event. There's no concessions either. You're only allowed one bottle of water per person and masking at all times. Those are all the new protocols that went into effect on Monday. So this is the first home game that... Uh, first home game under that new rules tonight for the men hosting Lehigh. Hmm. Okay. Women are back home on uh, Sunday against American, but picked up a statement win last night against Lehigh, the defending yeah. women's champs, who upset Bucknell last year. So that was a big, big win. Yeah. So there you go. Um, hey. Have they have they missed any games along the way? No issues with nope. COVID there. Okay. Both squads have been good so far. Good, glad to hear that. It sounds like you know, obviously, the, you know, there's high numbers and everything like right now. Except I saw an, an article in the Washington Post that actually, when you're taking a closer look at it, in Boston, New York, Washington, Philly, down the corridor, they're now starting to see a downturn. Now, England's usually two weeks ahead of us. They've seen a downturn. So maybe, maybe, keep your fingers crossed, maybe we're starting to see. Because this, South Africa, boom, it cratered. And they're starting to see the same thing happen in Great Britain, which is good. I hope so. Hopefully that happens the same way here. All right, we'll take a break. 
Um, Matt's got a few issues he wants to talk about. Uh, <laughs> is, is it like this at home? or Usually not, no. So I'm the one that gets it all. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. So, do we have uh, what, Chicago New Zealand's go wrestling tonight? We do. Rally in the Valley on the yeah. mat tonight. Uh... Seals Grove 7 and 0 they're what ranked 17th in the state in wrestling. You you act like I don't keep track of stuff. <laughs> oh, I know you always do. I mean, you act like I don't keep track of anything. And I'm listening to the one commercial I can't be bought and I'm thinking to myself, a suit can. All right, so <laughs> oh, I hate the show. It's true though. <laughs> F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells FALDA! <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I don't hear, I don't hear a response. I'm a, yeah. I don't hear a response. That's exactly right. Uh, that's going to be at the uh, lock-off gym this evening. No. Rally is what? Rally in the Valley? Correct. Hmm. Okay. Um, uh, Eagles will be at Tampa Bay on Sunday. Uh, I, wanna, I know we got Nate Bauer coming up. I'm going to start setting up something here that. I try to do a fair amount of reading before I do the show. Most of it's monosyllabic words, but I mean, I try to do a fair amount of reading. And it was an article that was written by Michael Grant. And it's about older announcers And how they are not embracing analytics, thus they are not either relating or they're losing their audience. Okay. And it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting article. He says, college, older football analysts need to embrace new thinking if they want to stay relevant. That's the name of the article. I don't know. 
Okay, I can't wait to read this. And as you know, every time I've talked about analytics, I've always said it's an important tool for coaches, and it's also an important tool for announcers. But my problem with people who are very much in the sabermetrics, whether it's baseball, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, I get the impression that they think it's the only way to win. That if you're not doing this or you're not announcing it that way, right, you're a dinosaur and you're missing the boat. Really? I've done this for a long time. There are many different ways to win. And by the way, analytics happens to be one of them. And on a given day, there's no question it can swing a game. And there are given days, and given days, you need another way to win. It depends on situation. It depends on personnel. It depends on matchups. Okay. The writer, Michael Grant, says that Sims, Herbstreet, and Mark Schlereth are not alone. They are just another example of older football talking heads who routinely resist new thinking and the latest information. We're not talking about differences of opinion. Herbstreet can thoughtfully discuss how players not participating in bowl games hurts the college product. Fair. Sims can disagree with the Ravens going for two-point conversions. Fair. And Schlereth can point to multiple reasons why Rodgers should be the MVP. All right, fair. Where did they all go wrong? They fell into the trap of believing that the way they grew up is the way it should always be. But see, here's the problem the writer's falling into. He's fallen into the trap that this is the only way to do it. Which has been the problem with sabermetrics. If you resist sabermetrics, I've never seen a group fight back. I mean, really fight back. And basically call you old and a dinosaur, like people who believe in sabermetrics and analytics. I've never seen anything like it. I sit back and go, what the heck are you talking about? It is a way to win. For example, when John Harbaugh went for two at the end of the Steelers game, I'm looking around going, good, I'm glad he did it. I thought it was the right move. I thought, to be honest with you, I thought the Chargers were going to go for two Sunday night at the end of the game. And try and win it there. Didn't. Ended up losing in overtime. Um, after each team, by the way, had a field goal. Um, and the biggest lie we tell ourselves, things were better back in our day. Usually that's just a falsehood wrapped up in nostalgia. That type of thinking is especially prevalent in sports where the toughness and desire of now retired athletes ends up being mythology. The game and its participants weren't better back in the days of Herb Street, Sims, and Slareth, simply different. All three of them grew up before the modern information age.
there are ways, multiple ways to win. I'll give you an example. Penn State basketball. Micah Shrewsbury has looked at his team. He's looked at their athleticism. And he's decided he needs to play a relatively low possession game. Okay. Because based on his personnel, what he has, that's how he has to play. Duke, on the other hand, wants to play 75, 76 possessions a game. 